Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, October 16th, 2017. Broadcasting from the Beantown Athletic Studio, Beantown Athletics, Boston's go-to destination for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownathletics.com. Today's show is presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using my promo code PIC. That's P-I-C. And this Sunday, DraftKings is hosting a $100,000 contest for Week 7 in the NFL that's totally free to enter with my promo code, of course, P-I-C. First place gets $100,000 and there's a total of $1.5 million in prizes all of it up for grabs. With DraftKings, there are many ways to play. Choose between public contests with big cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against a group of your friends. DraftKings also has beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill level. The best part is you get to draft a new team each week without any commitment whatsoever. So what are you waiting for? Go to DraftKings.com right now or download their app and play for free by using my promo code PICK. That's P-I-C. Today's show is also presented by the Dorchester Group. The Dorchester Group is a full-service real estate agency specializing in the sale of properties in the Boston area. What can they do for you? Well, the Dorchester Group assists individuals who currently own property, helping them come up with the best strategy to manage, improve, or dispose of it. As you know, there's a lot of developers in Boston right now looking to buy your property, but be careful. These developers are not functioning in your best interest. The Dorchester Group is here to help you maximize your return and protect you against developers who are looking to take advantage of you and your valuable property. These developers don't care about you or your neighborhood. All they care about is money and how they can make more of it when you're gone and your property is theirs. So do yourself a favor and put someone from the neighborhood in your corner. Call the Dorchester Group today at 617-869-4464. That's 617-869-4464. Or go to their website, thedorchestergroupre.com. Maximize your return today with the Dorchester Group. Welcome to the show on this Monday, October 16th. I will get into the latest in the Boston Red Sox managerial search As they look to replace John Farrell, I'll tell you who I think the next Red Sox manager should be. Uh, We'll get into some of the candidates there, some of the candidates that at least we've heard already been reported. I expect to hear a couple other names in the mix. Uh, We'll go over all of those names, but again, I'll tell you who I think should be the next Red Sox manager. I'll also get into some NBA stuff as the NBA regular season begins this week, begins tomorrow night on Tuesday night as the Boston Celtics go to Cleveland to take on the Cavaliers. And uh, I'll give you my prediction as to how the NBA season is going to end. I'll give you my Eastern Conference champion, my Western Conference champion, and my NBA champion, the winner of the NBA Finals. So uh, I will get into that a little bit later on in the show. But let's open with some football, as I usually do on Mondays. Week 6 concludes with Monday Night Football, the Indianapolis Colts in Tennessee to take on the Titans. Tennessee, a a 7.5 point favorite in this one. At least that's what they are as I record this podcast. Marcus Mariota will return. Uh, He missed last week's game. Tennessee lost to Miami. But um, for Indianapolis, still no Andrew Luck. They'll go back to Jacoby Brissett. 
and this is a game that if you're looking at what Tennessee is with Mariota as their quarterback, a Titans team that has lost two straight, they are in their own building tonight on national TV. Tennessee should whoop Indy tonight. They should. They should beat up on the Colts. I know that the Titans right now are a 2-3 and three team, and they're in third place in their division. Indianapolis is in last place at 2-3. and three. I guess you could call it a two-way tie for last place in that division. Both of those teams, both of these teams are 2-3. and three. But really, if you just look at the rosters, if you look at what Tennessee is at home tonight, they should whoop the Indianapolis Colts, right? But looking at the way this thing's going down, looking at this NFL season as a whole, even though Tennessee should whoop Indy, the way it's probably going to go down Indy's probably going to go into Tennessee and whoop the Titans. Because if there's one thing, if there's one word to describe the NFL this season, it is stupidity. Stupidity all over the place. From the coaches, the coaches are stupid, to the owners, the owners are stupid and ignorant. Uh, The commissioner is a buffoon. The officials are dumb. And I'm just talking about the on-field stuff. That's all I'm talking about. From the coaches, to the owners, to the commissioner, to the officials. This is just a stupid, stupid season. Think about it. You know, look, I, I, I know I'm getting into my picks. I went one and four. Picks, picks, one and four. Had, a, had another bad week. I'm 14 and 16 on this season. I promise you I will bounce back. Okay? I promise you I will bounce back. I only got one game right. It was Pittsburgh plus four. Over Kansas City. They ended up beating the Chiefs. They've give, now given the Chiefs their... First loss of the season. We have no more undefeated teams left in the NFL. We have two 5-1 teams, KC and Philadelphia. So uh, Pittsburgh goes into Kansas City. They beat Kansas City. The Steelers were a four-point dog. I told you to take the points. Now, I didn't even know that Pittsburgh would win this game. All All I knew was Pittsburgh... Given the way they looked the previous week, given how many people were calling them a team in which was led by a quarterback that should probably retire, right? Stephen A. Smith was yelling and screaming about that after the loss to Jacksonville last week. He said, oh, Big Ben, you know, doesn't look good, doesn't sound good after the games. He should probably hang it up. He should probably retire. He's done. The Steelers are done. That's all I needed to hear to know that the Steelers are not done, that Big Ben is not done. They just have too many weapons, right? And, I mean, they were in first place in their division anyways. And now they're 4-2 in sole possession of first place in the AFC North with their win over the Kansas City Chiefs. But that's the only game I get right. The only game. Pittsburgh plus four. Every other game that I picked, the other, you know, the other four, I lost. Atlanta minus 12. Um, <laughs> I mean, what happened in this one? If you're Atlanta... How do you lose to the Miami Dolphins? How do you lose back-to-back games at home to Buffalo at home, then have a bye week, return from the bye, and lose to Miami at home? How does that happen? I have no idea. And then Baltimore, minus six and a half. They lost to the Chicago Bears in Baltimore. How do you go into Oakland? Granted, last week, Derek Carr did not play. It was EJ Manuel last week. But still, Baltimore, they go into Oakland, they win that game. It's still a pretty good Oakland team, no? And then you come home, and you lose to the Chicago Bears, who has a day of a rookie quarterback making only his second career NFL start. I mean, give me a break. How do you lose that fucking game? And then Tampa Bay, a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in Arizona. 
A Cardinals team that going into this game had only won two games. You know who was two? They just barely beat Indy, and they just barely beat San Fran. And Arizona did not just wasn't just Carson Palmer, Larry Fitzgerald, Adrian Peterson. The Buccaneers got beat by Adrian Peterson. Think about that for a second. Adrian Peterson, what did he rush for? 134 yards on 26 carries with two touchdowns? And Tampa Bay gets beat. I know Jameis Winston got hurt, but holy shit. You almost beat the Patriots the week before. You had extra time because you had played on Thursday night. You had extra time to prepare for this game in Arizona against the Cardinals team that really hasn't shown anything this season. And an Adrian Peterson, who everybody and their mother thought was just toast, was done. Including myself. Including myself. I told you, no way Adrian Peterson is just going to be able to step into Arizona, get the game plan, and have a big day. Not only that, but you couldn't really run on Tampa Bay this season. What, what does Tampa Bay do? They go into Arizona. They have extra time to prepare for the game. They almost beat the Patriots last week. They should have beat the Patriots. They have field goal kick, and Nick Folk missed three fucking field goals. When you almost beat the Patriots, you go to Arizona, and you get beat like this, and you get beat by Adrian Peterson? That's embarrassing. So that's a loss for me. Another loss. And then, maybe the most embarrassing loss of them all was Sunday Night Football. The Denver Broncos, a 12-point favorite against the winless New York Giants. The game's in Denver, nationally televised game. The Giants have sucked all year long. Have you watched the Giants this season? They look brutal. They're playing for the number one overall pick. Is Denver going to lose this game at home? There's no way, right? There's no way. What happens? The Broncos, not only did they lose, they looked absolutely fucking horrible in the process. If you had told me that the Denver Broncos bet against themselves in this game, money line, they bet the Giants money line to win. If I, if there's a story on Wednesday or Thursday of this week in which the Denver Broncos were being investigated to have bet against themselves and bet the Giants money line in week six, I would, I would not be shocked by that news. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked. That's how bad Denver looked last night. Simeon got hurt. The quarterback of the Broncos, Trevor Simeon, got hurt. Still, it didn't matter. Even before he got hurt, and he returned in the second half. But it doesn't matter. The Broncos looked horrible. Looked like they weren't even ready to play. How are you not ready to play against a winless Giants team in your own building on national TV? Come on now. It's just an embarrassing week. There's no excuse there for, for Denver. There's no excuse whatsoever. So they lost that game. Those are my four losses. I went one and four. I'm telling you, it's not a good look for picks picks. I get it. But I will bounce back. I'll bounce back. I'm, uh, I'm 14 and 16 on the season. I promise you I will bounce back. Um, and then I get to my DraftKings play. Another frustrating one. My DraftKings got to have him play of the week that I gave you on Thursday was Drew Brees. New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees. Now, tell me this. How the fuck... If you're Drew Brees, how the fuck does your team have 50, what did they score, 52 points in this game? They scored 52 points, and Drew Brees only had 13 DraftKings points? How does that happen? And what was going on in that game with the Saints and the Lions? Talk about a shit show. The league is a shit show, okay? The league's a shit show. In fact, you know, I'm starting to think that the only short thing in the NFL, and this is crazy, this sounds crazy to say, but the only short thing in the NFL this season through six weeks 
is that Houston Texans quarterback, Deshaun Watson, is going to throw a couple touchdown passes. That's the only short thing in the league. And and Deshaun Watson leads the league with 15 touchdown passes. It, it, week after week, this kid is impressing. And to the point where I'm starting to think that, I mean, he's going to be my DraftKings. Got to have him play every week. Deshaun Watson. He's That's the only short thing. Think about it. Give me another short thing in the NFL. Give me one. Give me one. Is there anything that's more of a short thing than Deshaun Watson throwing a couple of touchdown passes in an NFL game on Sunday? I don't think there is. And and I don't even know if that says something, what that says about Deshaun Watson as much as it says about the rest of the league. It's just that the league is a shit show. It's just stupid. Stupid mistakes. Stupid calls. Um, stupid decisions. It's just stupid, stupid, stupid up and down. All right. And, um, <laughs> you know, I have a love-hate relationship with the NFL right now with the stupidity in it. It's a love-hate relationship. I'm coming back in week seven and I'm going to, my plan is to bounce back hard. And I hope you tune in because I have more picks on the way and I'm, I'm, I'm due to bust out of this slump, but I don't regret. I'm like, I don't regret my picks. I don't, I really don't. I don't regret snoozing on Adrian Peterson. I don't regret taking Baltimore at home against Trubisky and Trubisky's first road game of his NFL career. I don't, I don't regret Atlanta at home against Miami. How do you lose that game if you're Atlanta? The idea that that's a trap game and now they're looking ahead to the Patriots in week seven on Sunday Night Football, you know, I guess, but you just lost to Buffalo. You had a bye. How are you not ready for this game? Somebody explain that to me. Somebody, and I don't care how banged up they might be. Atlanta's got to beat Miami. It's just, it's inexcusable, really. So um, the league is just stupid. It's stupid. And as much as I should be done with it, I'm not. I'm not. I will keep coming back for more. And I will be back on Thursday with my picks for week seven and another DraftKings got to have them play of the week. But um, some of the top storylines here. Outside of the gambling perspective, some of the top storylines, what's number one? I mean, you know, it's got to be Aaron Rodgers and that injury. He breaks his collarbone and his throwing shoulder, throwing arm. He's out for the season. Now, could he return for the playoffs? Well, they got to get there first. Brett Hundley will take over. And like he threw three interceptions yesterday on Sunday in Minnesota. I know you got a lot of rumors out there. And in the world of social media, those rumors are just going to run wild. Tony Romo is, is the, you know, that's the sexy rumor there with Green Bay. That Tony Romo, Wisconsin native, he's in the booth for CBS. Um, he could come out of retirement, come out of the booth, step in for Green Bay, take him to the playoffs, maybe take him to the Super Bowl. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. Some people might go there and get into that prediction. There is one thing that I will say about the Romo rumor is that he did say back in April, he had a conference call when he, when they announced that he was joining CBS. He did say that he's 99% done playing football. Um, Not a hundred percent, 99%, which means that there's a little part of him that is not going to rule out a comeback. And so when you think of that and you think of him saying that, 
I start to think to myself, and I said it at the time, well, there must be a specific situation that he has in his mind that he just couldn't turn down if the opportunity presented itself. What is that opportunity? I don't know. I don't necessarily know. But um, if a team came calling, then eh, he wouldn't hang up the phone right away. I'll read you the quote from Tony Romo. Here's the quote from back in April. He says, quote, I wish I could tell you unequivocally 100% for the rest of my life, I'll never play any sports at all. I don't envision coming back, but I've also seen enough things from Nick Saban's I'm not going to Alabama to Brett Favre's I'm done playing football that happened in my life. Romo continued, do I envision coming back and playing football? Absolutely not. I'm committed to CBS. I'm going to be there. I'm sure I'll get a call. There's not enough quarterbacks that can win 12 games in the NFL anyway. I do feel like, for me, the reality is a lot can happen. Right now, I'm telling you that I don't think it would be that hard of a decision. And quote, well, if it's not that hard of a decision, what is preventing him from saying he's 100% retired and... Uh, that, you know, he, 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 why can't he just say, I'm never coming back? He's going with this never say never, right? And I don't know, because he's a Wisconsin kid, and if that opening did, if that opportunity did present itself with a package called Romo and said, hey, Rodgers is out for the season. We want to sign you the rest of the year. We think we can get to the playoffs. Um, you know, we're four and two. And we're tied with Minnesota for first place. We got Detroit behind us at three and three, but Stafford's banged up. The Bears have a rookie quarterback. They're two and four. We think we could still not just get in the playoffs, but get one of the top seeds. And you could be our guy. You could be the hometown kid coming back to try to save the day for an injured Aaron Rodgers. You know, if that opportunity presented itself and the Green Bay Packers called Tony Romo and and presented this opportunity to him. Would that be the 1%? Would that be the very small percentage that would get him to think about returning? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. But that's going to be the hot rumor. That's going to be the sexy rumor. That's going to be the thing that everybody's going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks. But uh, at least for the time being, it looks like it's going to be Brett Hundley. That is what the Packers have been saying. It's just a devastating injury for Green Bay because if it is Brent Hundley leading the way, there is no way they win that division. There is no way they win a Super Bowl. You know, even if they did somehow win the division, there's just no way they'd win a Super Bowl with Brett Hundley. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. Um, if you want to look at the trade deadline in the NFL, the trade deadline is October 31st, which is in between weeks 8 and 9. So with week 7 coming up, you got a couple weeks here to make a trade if you really wanted to do that. There might be some people bringing up the uh, Jimmy Garoppolo potential that there could be a trade there. Um, I Look, I don't know what Green Bay is going to do. I will tell you this. If you're the Packers and you think there's a possibility that Aaron Rodgers could return for the playoffs this year, I don't think you're bringing in someone like Romo. And if that's the case, I don't think Romo would even accept it because Romo would probably only accept the job if he was to accept the job, he would only accept one that would guarantee he's the starting quarterback, even if they got to the playoffs. So uh, I think Green Bay might, if I had to put my money on it, Green Bay might just roll with what they have, or if they somehow trade for a veteran who's not a starting quarterback right now, maybe that's a move they make. But 
Um, it doesn't look good for Green Bay, and that's going to be the top storyline of Week 6 because when the Packers lose Aaron Rodgers, they also lose their Super Bowl hopes. So um, keep an eye on that story. Keep an eye on the timetable that they give us with Rodgers with that broken collarbone. Some of the other top storylines I told you, Kansas City, uh, they are no longer undefeated. There are no more undefeated teams in the NFL now through six weeks. Pittsburgh beats Kansas City in Kansas City. So only two 5-1 and one teams remain. Only two teams of 5-1. and one. KC, and then you got Philadelphia. Philly went into Carolina on Thursday Night Football and beat a very good Panthers team. So uh, that's a big win for the Eagles. And then, of course, you have the winless teams. Only two winless teams remain. Cleveland and San Fran, they're both 0-6. Uh, you got Oakland sees a Derek Carr return and then they lose at home to the Chargers. That's another one of those games and results that has, that has me just looking at the league going, this is stupid. I mean, Oakland, you, Derek Carr returns, all right? You're at home and you lose to the Chargers? You lose to Phillip Rivers and the Chargers? Come on now. How does that work? How does that work? And Oakland has now lost four straight games. And the Oakland Raiders in last place in the AFC West at 2-4. and four. A lot of people had high expectations for them, including myself. But here they are now losing four straight and in last place in their division. Doesn't look good for Oakland, even with Derek Carr having returned this past weekend. I told you, Atlanta loses back-to-back games at home. That's just embarrassing from their end, losing to the Bills and the Dolphins, losing to two AFC East teams in Atlanta, both of them in Atlanta, two AFC East teams that are not named the Patriots, by the way. So that's just embarrassing. You got the Adrian Peterson return, 134 yards on 26 carries, two touchdowns. Who saw that coming? Um, And then here locally... We have the Patriots who beat the Jets at MetLife 24-17 yesterday. The Patriots get their fourth win of the season with the win. They are now in sole possession of first place in the AFC East. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are 3-2. and two. They didn't play this weekend. They're at the bye week. The Dolphins are 3-2, and two, and the Jets now 3-3. Three and three. So the Patriots, they get their fourth win. They move into first place, sole possession of first place, and with the win, Tom Brady becomes the regular season all-time wins leader with win number 187 in his career, surpassing Peyton Manning and Brett Favre. But, um, you know, it's a, nice, it's a nice win. It confirms the fact that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time, and it's just another number to confirm uh, such an idea, which, I mean, is basically fact at this point, right, that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. But uh, with that win, those things are all great, and it's nice to move into first place and sole possession of first place. But if we're going to properly evaluate what the Patriots are as a football team right now through six weeks of the regular season, heading into a Week 7 showdown on national TV on Sunday Night Football next Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons at Gillette Stadium, a rematch of the Super Bowl. If we're going to properly evaluate this Patriots team, then we have to be honest. And being honest, yesterday was ugly. That was an ugly win. That was as ugly as you get. When you fall behind 14 to nothing to the New York Jets, I don't care where this game's played. I don't care what's been working for the Jets this season. I don't care that the Jets had won three straight entering this game. 
You cannot tell me by looking at these two rosters. You can't tell me that the Jets should be able to match up with the New England Patriots. And I know. The Patriots were banged up. They were without Stephon Gilmore defensively yesterday. They were without Eric Rowe defensively yesterday. Two cornerbacks that have been playing a lot this season. They were without those guys. I get it. That said, it's still Josh McCown. Okay? Josh McCown threw for 354 yards. That's embarrassing. That's an embarrassing stat. And with that, the Patriots fell behind, like I said, 14 and nothing. That's embarrassing as well. And if not for the Malcolm Butler interception where he uses his instincts to jump a route, to jump a, a route on the outside and the sideline and pick it off, I don't know how this game would have went. The Patriots win. They win ugly. And I know for a lot of this season, I've been telling you that the number one concern is the offensive line and how many hits Tom Brady takes. That's always going to be a concern, right? Especially if he's taken this many hits this season and especially now that he's dealing with a non- throwing shoulder injury the AC joint is not throwing shoulder it's all it's always going to be a concern but I mean to to look like this in the first half defensively against this Jets team you'd think by now that they would have figured some things out even with the injuries this Jets offense should not should not be doing this to you in the first half I'm sorry they shouldn't be doing it you can't allow that You can't allow it to look that ugly in the first half. You can't allow this game to look that ugly. But they did. So there's a lot of concerns here. It was an ugly win for the Patriots. And um, it comes with some controversy, as you know. The touchdown ruled, a fumble ruled, a touchback, and the ball goes to the Patriots. Safarian Jenkins, you know, he gets that ball. It comes loose in his hands at the pylon. Uh, he regains possession, crosses the goal line, ends up out of bounds, right? I mean, it, look, th- when they reviewed it, they looked at it, they called it a fumble, which ended up being a touchback and ends up being the Patriots ball. Um, at that point, you know, it w- if that was a touchdown, it would have cut the Patriots lead with eight minutes and 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter. It would have cut the Patriots lead to 24-21. The Jets, as you know, kicked another field goal a little bit later on. And um, so who knows? Maybe we would have ended up in overtime. I have absolutely no idea. But it was a controversial call to say that that was a fumble and a touchback rather than than a touchdown. And I'll tell you right now, you can give me the rule all you want. You can give me word a word-for-word breakdown. You can give me the slow-mo instant replay of that a million times over. I've watched it 150 times, and I know that I sit here and tell you that I'm a Patriots fan, but even the Patriots fan in me looks at that play in which Safarian Jenkins takes that ball and crosses the goal line, gets to the pylon. You tell me that's a fumble and a touchback? I'm telling you that I don't want to live in a world, I don't want to live in a football world where that's a fumble and a touchback. I want to live in a football world where that's a touchdown. And that's it. Because to me, that was a touchdown. That should have been a touchdown. They said the ball came loose. But from from what I saw, there was enough possession regained in which he's in that end zone. All right? And that should be a touchdown. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you tell me it says in the rule book. I really don't give a rat's ass. 
That's a touchdown in my book. That's a touchdown in my football world, regardless of what team scores that touchdown. Now, you know, I'm sure I'm going to hear it from some Patriots fans. Some other Patriots fans are saying, oh, no, this, that, the other thing. This is what it says in the rule book. This is what happened. Look at this picture. Uh, Don't waste your time because you're not going to talk me into it. You're not going to talk me out of believing and wanting. Again, I don't want the Jets to score a touchdown. But when I analyze the NFL and I talk about the stupidity in this league, that's just another thing that's stupid. That rule, that call that they made was stupid. It is. If you had told me that was, you know, two teams I don't care about, uh, Tennessee, Houston, or something along those lines, and that play was, was ruled that way, I'd be sitting there telling you the same thing, that it, it, it doesn't matter. That should be a touchdown. And if it happened to the Patriots, man, I mean, would, would, there be, would there be an outcry? Oh, there'd be an outcry. So what happens to the Jets, um, I just think it should have been a touchdown. Take away the, the fact that it was the Jets, and I know I, I, I'm not supposed to be sitting here rooting for the Jets, but I'm not rooting for the Jets. I'm just rooting for football to not be stupid anymore. Uh, that's what I'm rooting for. That, that's really, that's my ultimate theme to this show is the NFL is stupid. All aspects of it are stupid. From stupid coaches who are snorting lines through, what was it? What did he have? Did he have a $100 bill? Just snorting a line? The Miami Dolphins line coach? And line coach in more ways than one, apparently, right before he goes to a meeting and he videotapes it. How stupid do you have to be? Just stupidity. From stupid coaches to stupid commissioners to ignorant, stupid owners. I mean, come on. Officials are stupid. This rule is stupid. The league is stupid. That should be a touchdown. And if it was, I don't know how this game would have ended up changing. And I get it. We're sort of wasting our time trying to predict something that we don't even know could happen, even if that if that was ruled a touchdown. I'm just telling you, the football world that I want to live in is a football world that sees that play and goes, come on, let's not be stupid. That's a fucking touchdown, okay? <laughs> so uh, I, I, it's this, this controversy that goes along with it. It's another reason why this was an ugly win for the Patriots. Again, I get it. They were without Gilmore. They were without Rowe. Um, a win is a win is a win. You will take it and you will try to, I guess, use some of the ugly play to, to you know, you try to fix some. You have to fix some things going up against Atlanta. You have to. This game next week, the three and two Falcons, the now three and two Falcons come to town, having lost to two other AFC East teams in Atlanta. They come to the Patriots. The Patriots open as a three and a half point favorite. The over under is 54, which means that they're expecting this to be a high scoring game. Given the way the Patriots defense is played, I'd expect it to be a high scoring game as well. Um,. You know, I, I, I just can't see this game being in, you know, the teens, right? This is going to be, this is going to be a high scoring game. And I, look, based on the way the NFL's going, would you be surprised if the Falcons come into Gillette and blow the Patriots out? I wouldn't. It's a stupid league. It's stupid things happen. Things that shouldn't happen, happen. And uh, who knows? I'll, I'll say my official prediction for this game a little bit later in the week, but just opening thoughts, who fucking knows based on what we saw in week six 
and what we've seen through six weeks in the regular season. But I do know, one thing I do know, the Patriots have a lot of things to fix, especially on the defensive end. And they better figure that shit out before Atlanta comes to town. Or, uh, you know, that could be ugly. It could be very ugly. Uh, Even for an Atlanta team that's lost two straight games now to Buffalo and Miami. Again, the question that I continue to ask myself, how can Team A lose to Team B after they just beat Team C, who is way better than Team B? None of it makes sense. How could this happen? Things that shouldn't happen, happen and probably will continue as the NFL shit show continues here in 2017. So uh, I'll give you more picks. I'll give you my week seven picks on Thursday. I'll give you my DraftKings. Gotta have them play of the week. I'll preview Patriots Falcons. Give my prediction for that game. But, um... Any other news throughout the week in the NFL with regards to the injury report or anything that goes down, we'll keep an eye on the Green Bay situation. Though, real quick, there you, you talk about quarterbacks in the NFC North. As I'm jumping on here today, Teddy Bridgewater for the Minnesota Vikings, he's been cleared to practice. So that's great news for the Vikings, a Vikings team that continues to roll with Case Keenum. Right, Bradford returned a little bit last week, didn't last long. Um, the, the Vikings got a nice game out of, out of the kid McKinnon running back there. So, hey, Vikings are in first place still, 4-2. and two. They got Green Bay at 4-2. Green Bay losing Aaron Rodgers. Teddy Bridgewater, he could show up and be the biggest difference maker. And uh, he could lead the Vikings to an NFC North title. So keep an eye on that situation with Teddy Bridgewater being cleared to practice for the Vikings. So that's what we have with Week 6 in the NFL. And as the Major League Baseball postseason rolls on, some low-scoring games over the weekend. I am still watching postseason baseball. You know, there was there were a couple nights after the Red Sox lost that I just couldn't watch it. But um, I'm over that now. The Red Sox season's over. We've moved on to off-season moves. I'll get into the managerial search in just a moment. But as the postseason rolls on, some low-scoring games. You're seeing a lot of good pitching performances. That's what the Red Sox need to get back to in the postseason more than anything. But um, you look at Houston up 2-0 on the Yankees in the ALCS as that series heads to the Bronx for games 3-4. And if necessary, game 5. It's a 2-3-2 series. So you'll get that tonight, Monday. Tuesday, Wednesday, you'll get games 3, 4, 5 in New York. Again, Houston up 2-0. The Dodgers up 2-0 on the Cubs in the NLCS. As that series heads to Chicago, they'll have tonight off. They'll have Monday off. They'll play games 3, 4, 5, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all in Chicago. Another 2-3-2 series there. I don't think Houston's going to sweep. I don't think L.A. is going to sweep. I think the Cubs have some fight in them. I think the Yankees have some fight in them. But uh, I would be surprised if the Yankees came back and won that series. I'd also be surprised if the Cubs came back and beat the Dodgers. I think we are destined now for a Dodgers World Series against the Houston Astros. But anything that happens in the ALCS and the NLCS, I will react to it on Thursday. But back here locally with the Red Sox and their offseason moves, in their offseason news, I should say, Dave Dombrowski has reportedly interviewed Alex Cora for the open manager position. As you know, the Red Sox have fired John Farrell. They're looking for a new skipper. Alex Cora, a name that's been thrown out there by many people many times 
with regards to the Red Sox job, but even with other teams, Alex Cora is also going to interview with the Mets, and I'm sure he'll interview with another couple teams as uh, the offseason rolls on. So one thing we know about Alex Cora, hey, if Alex Cora became the Red Sox manager, would that be a good move for the Red Sox? Yeah, it would be a good move. I'm not, I wouldn't argue against that. Um, but Alex Cora is going to have some decisions here. You know, this isn't as simple as the Red Sox want Alex Cora. They make him an offer. He accepts, accepts the job. I don't think it's that simple. Alex Cora is going to have some decisions. He's ultimately going to be able to choose between a couple places because I do think he's going to be very high on, on, on a couple teams' lists. We hear, we hear the Mets. I'm sure there'll be a couple of other teams. So the Red Sox do need to interview some other guys. Let's say Alex Cora is their top choice, which that's being reported. I saw Ken Rosenthal tweet that uh, earlier today, that, that their top choice is Alex Cora. They've already interviewed him. But you have to prepare, even if that is true, you have to prepare for Alex Cora maybe taking another job because he's going to get that opportunity to do that. So he, the Red Sox are reportedly going to interview Ron Gardenhire next. Gardenhire is an older dude. How old is he? 60? I thought he was older than that. But um, Gardenhire? I don't know. That doesn't make sense. I think if you're the Red Sox, you should want to bring in a younger guy. A guy that, you know, is a little bit more recent to the game with regards to his playing days. And uh, Gardenhire is not the pick for me. I, I don't understand that one bit. Unless you're... You know, you're interviewing everybody, right? You're interviewing a younger guy who's a positional, used to be a positional player. You're interviewing an older guy who's got managerial experience. And, uh, you know, if you want to stick with the managerial experience and you want to go with a catcher, a former catcher, Brad Osmus is my guy. If I was Dave Dombrowski, I would think of, seriously consider Brad Osmus. He's young enough to relate to the players. He's a former catcher, which, you know, to me is ideal. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, hey, Brad Osmus, he's failed already. He failed in Detroit, four seasons in Detroit. Um, they made the playoffs only once in four seasons. They won the division only once in four seasons. He finished in second one other year. He finished in last place two other years. Brad Osmus, Dave Dombrowski hired him. Here's what I think you do if you're Dave Dombrowski. You know why it didn't work out in Detroit for Brad Osmus. You know the, the, the mistakes that Osmus made as the manager of that team. So you give him an interview. And in that interview, you ask him what went wrong. And if he tells you what you think, or at least you know went wrong, and, and Osmus says, you know what? I've learned from my mistakes. Here's what I do differently. That's a guy you should want. A guy who has already failed as a manager in Major League Baseball. I want a guy like that. I don't think that's a bad quality. Some people say it is. I don't think so. You get a guy who has failed, who you think has learned from his mistakes, and also a guy who who is a former catcher, a guy who's young enough to relate to the players. All of those things would be exactly what I'm looking for if I'm Dave Dombrowski. I've, I've already told this to you a couple times. I've said it on the radio, on my weekend radio show. I would... I would seriously consider Brad Osmus, and I do it over Alex Cora because Osmus has already managed. I know you're saying it wasn't successful, but guess what? Guess what? 
Was it all his fault? Was it? You tell me. If Dave Dombrowski knows he's made mistakes, if Osmus knows he's made mistakes, but Osmus says, hey, I've learned from those mistakes, and here's how, then I think that's a, I think that is a prime candidate to take over the spot with the Red Sox. I do. So we'll see what Dave Dombrowski does uh, and what move he makes, but um, we're hearing Ron Godenheye is going to get an interview. I actually haven't heard Osmus's name uh, to be reported to officially interview with the Red Sox, but I would assume it's coming, right? I would assume it's coming. At least, if I'm Dave Dombrowski, I would interview Brad Osmus, and maybe there are a couple other candidates that we're not talking about, um, but when it comes to Alex Cora, a lot of people saying he's the favorite to get it. One thing I would say is this. He has his choice. He can go to a couple places. He doesn't need to take the Red Sox job. So if he wants to go somewhere else, then the Red Sox, <laughs> they need to be prepared for that. That's all. And I think interviewing multiple people and maybe not rushing to a decision would uh, keep them prepared just in case Alex Cora says, you know what, I think I'm going to take the Mets job. But you know what, I'm going to take this other job and this other opening. I just think this is a better opportunity for me to get my first job as a manager in Major League Baseball. So whatever news comes out of the Red Sox organization on that front, I will react to it. And uh, I'll continue to react to anything that happens this offseason with the hot stove and even with the Major League Baseball postseason that will roll on this week. We have the NBA beginning. The regular season begins tomorrow night. As I told you, Celtics in Cleveland against the Cavaliers. Uh, Just a couple things I want to throw at you before the season officially begins. And uh, should we play the music? Should we give you the music? Yeah, let's give you the music, right? The NBA on NBC theme. When it comes to predictions and my NBA predictions, this was this is what I do every year. The NBA on NBC theme is one of the greatest themes that I've ever heard. And they obviously got rid of it because now it's the NHL on NBC and the NBA is on ESPN, it's on TNT, and it's on ABC, and it's a different song. But... The NBA on NBC theme is one of the greatest themes going, even though I really do enjoy the old MLB on Fox theme. They use the NFL on Fox theme for Major League Baseball now. I don't I don't understand why they do that. They just have one song for everything, I guess. They should go back to the old MLB on Fox theme when they do have baseball games on Fox. But let, let's stick with NBA for right now. Here's the NBA on NBC theme. It's a great song, and I'll let you listen to it while I give you my predictions. Just a couple minor predictions. Nothing crazy. Hit the music. Well, first and foremost, I'll stick locally with the Celtics. They had 53 wins last year. The over-under win total for the Celtics this year is 54 and a half. 54 and a half. And I'm telling you, to give me the under. I'll take the under. I don't think they're going to have more wins than they had last year. In fact, I think they might have a couple less wins. So I'm thinking that maybe they have 51, maybe 52. I don't think they top 53 or at least match 53. And even if they did get to 53 again, even if they get to 54, it would still get you to under. So um, I'm going to take the under. The over end is 54 and a half on win total for the Celtics this season. Give me the under. I do not think they will get to 55 wins. And now when it comes to the predictions... 
for the NBA playoffs. I'm not going to break down round by round. Um, I'll just give you my NBA finals, or at least my Eastern Conference champion and my Western Conference champion. My Eastern Conference champion, it's going to be the Cleveland Cavaliers. People in here in Boston are not going to like this prediction, but um, as much as I like Kyrie Irving, as much as I think his addition of the Celtics team, along with Gordon Hayward, is... You know, and, and again, you got Jalen Brown, another year under his belt. He's going to be in the starting lineup. Who knows what Jason Tatum is going to bring to the table. Celtics are going to be a really good team for years to come. However, I still think that LeBron and his time in Cleveland, I think this is his final season in Cleveland. I think LeBron's going to opt out. Um, he, you know, they did add Jay Crowder. Isaiah Thomas, I guess he's going to return in, what, January from that hip injury. When he does return... That's still going to be a nice addition for them. I think by the time Cleveland gets to the playoffs and uh, they become that total package, I think they're going to be awfully tough to beat. And I don't think the Celtics are going to beat them right now. LeBron, I could see him having another MVP season and I could see him carrying the Cavaliers into the NBA Finals once again. And I think Cleveland is going to play Golden State. That's not Again, this is not me going out on a limb. I understand that. But if you want to be logical with an NBA prediction, I don't just make predictions to go out on a limb for the purpose of going out on a limb. If you do that, I think you're a fucking idiot. I'm trying to just get it right. And if there's any sport in any league that is the most predictable when it comes to this type of stuff before the season begins, it's the NBA. When we get to the playoff brackets, right, in, in May, April, May, and June, that those playoff brackets, they're going to be somewhat predictable. At least when it comes to the top teams in each conference. All right, the Western Conference got a little better. Houston added Chris Paul. We know what Oklahoma City did add in Paul George, add in Carmelo Anthony. But you mean to tell me they're going to knock Golden State off? They might give Golden State a run for their money, but they are not going to knock them off. Golden State's going to come out of the West. Cleveland's going to come out of the East. The NBA Finals, once again, is going to be as predictable as predictable could be. Cleveland and Golden State. And guess what I'm doing? I'm going with the Cavaliers. I think LeBron wins one more title for Cleveland. And then he kisses the city goodbye for good and goes out to the West Coast and goes out to L.A. A lot of people will say Lakers. I'll tell you he's going to go to the Clippers. Talk about a guy who cares about his legacy. Well, your legacy takes a hit if you go to the Lakers and you don't win a championship. And there are no guarantees that he'd win a championship there. And even if he only won one with the Lakers, what would that do with for his legacy, given some of the names that have won multiple championships with the Lakers? LeBron cares about his legacy. He's going to the Clippers. His legacy will be he won a championship with Cleveland and he won a championship with the Clippers. And what other player do you know in NBA history would be able to win championships with both of those two organizations? Nobody, only LeBron, and that will be his legacy. That's what he wants. But my point is he's gone from Cleveland after this season. This will be his farewell tour in Cleveland, and he will top it off with another championship for that city. I'm not going to want to watch it. Uh, I'm not going to want to see it. I think that Cleveland will beat the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Celtics, they'll have their time. Kyrie Irving and the Celtics, they'll have their time. But LeBron's going to go to the... He's going to have to go to the Western Conference first. That will happen after this year. LeBron 
he wins the NBA championship, the Cavaliers will beat the Golden State Warriors for the NBA title. Those are my NBA predictions, keeping it simple, uh, keeping it somewhat predictable, though I think a lot of people will sit there and tell you that Golden State's going to win it again. I'm going with the Cavaliers, and the Cavs win it. And, um, yeah, those are my NBA predictions. Can't wait for the season to begin. Now, the NHL season has already begun. We're a couple weeks in, and just here locally with the Bruins, they lost last night on Sunday night in Las Vegas. They are now 2-3 and three to open the season. The Bruins will play again Thursday night of this week at home against the Vancouver Canucks. If you're looking for something positive from the Bruins so far in the early stages of the season, it's that the backup goaltender, Anton Hedobin, actually helped the Bruins get a win early on in the season. Something he couldn't do early on last season, which I think last year ended up costing the Bees when it came to their postseason uh, standing or their postseason seeding in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So good to see the backup goaltender come out and do something for the Bruins before the All-Star break. But it's a long season in the NHL. It's a long season in the NBA. And as those two leagues continue and roll on, I will react to any of the top stories there. And uh, I'm here every Monday, Thursday. I'll be back on Thursday again with Picks Picks. My DraftKings got to have them play of the week for Sunday Slate for week number seven. And again, DraftKings.com or the DraftKings app. Use my promo code PICK. P-I-C to play for free in the $100,000 contest for Week 7 in the NFL. You can get this show whenever you want at DannyPicard.com. Also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, you name it. You can get this show wherever podcasts are available. Also on the Podcast One app. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all forms of social media. I'm out. Talk to you on Thursday. <laughs>